0: verse 36. Okay, and then we'll go to Malachi chapter 3, verse 2. Miss Courtney, if you would read that. I'm sorry? Malachi chapter 3, verse 2. Okay. Okay, let me see how far we're gonna get miss <coughs> uh, Carol, first corinthians 10 12 13. right there actually uh let me get James 4 seven Danny you got a Bible with you yep James 4 7 okay Jack you have a microphone okay go ahead Ephesians chapter 6 if you have your Bibles look at this passage with me okay don't just it's uh you don't have any notes you'll have notes next week we're just laying a foundation the last two weeks, so you'll have notes and you'll have outlines next week. So just write these passages down, Ephesians chapter 6, 10-22. Go ahead, Jack. NIV, is that what you're doing?
1: NIV. Okay. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against the flesh and blood, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith in which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in all pray in the spirit in all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak Words may be given to me, so that I will fear- fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should.
0: Okay, how many had their Bibles open looking at that? Lift your hand up quickly. If you had your Bible with you. Did you look at the passage? Because I want you to find this passage. Over the next few weeks, we are going to dissect Ephesians chapter 6, Okay. So we're going to really go through this. But I want you to do one thing in your, in your Bible. Uh, if you're a person that writes in your Bible, uh, you need to do these markings. If you're not a person that writes in your Bible, you need to start. Okay? And the reason I say that, not because, folks, I like things nice and neat and clean. Okay? Uh, I'm, I'm kind of type A. I'm a little bit, well, maybe type A plus. Maybe, maybe plus plus. Maybe. Okay. I'm a, I'm a little bit, yeah. Yeah, I'm a little bit on that side, okay. But I write in my Bible. I write in in any kind of spiritually bound book uh, that is based upon God and stuff like that. Why? I can't always, you, you, you know. A lot of people in here think, Pastor, you're kind of a walking Bible. You know, every no, I know where to find everything. I don't know everything, and I can quote lots of scriptures, but I can't quote all the scriptures. But you know what happens when I write in my Bible? It's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, you know, I, I probably have to, I could lean on Tina on this. I don't mean to put you on the spot. School teacher, do you do a, a word hand association stuff in school? We used to do that when I was a kid. I don't know if they still do it. But basically, when you write something in your Bible, you kind of you get an idea where approximately that is. Because you have tangibly set your eye, your hand together. And so, man, I, I know it's in Ephesians. I, well, where in Ephesians? Well, if you have a nice, clean page, you all have to read all six chapters of Ephesians to try to get an idea, you know, of where the heck it was. But if you take a moment, highlight, write, whatever, boom, you're right to it. Okay? Yeah, and a good highlighter because, you know, they've got highlighters right now that will bleed through the pages. Uh, so you want to get a good highlighter. Yeah, my wife has my wife has some kinds of different people. They make these kind of dry highlighter kind of things. But anyway, you do that. You do that. Everybody back up here. Don't let me lose. Okay? Okay? You do that, then you can go straight back. And, folks, you've heard me say this a thousand times if I said it once, if you've been a part of this church any length of time. This is what you need. This wo- This book right here. God's Word. God's word has every single answer you ever need. So there's your, what do they call it? Hand-eye coordinate? Is that what they call it? I don't remember what. What is it? Hand-eye type. But so write in it, okay? But there's two things that I want you to do. Do you have a question? Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, He's asking, and it's a a valid question. You got you got your phones, your cell phones. You got Bible on your cell phones. All the programs you can highlight, you can do stuff. Well, this is a little more portable. You can stick it in your pocket. You can put it in your drawer of your desk. Folks, I'm one of those, I'm one of those, I know this is going to shock some of you. I'm one of those in-your-face kind of Christians. Does that shock you? Yeah. My Bible always sit on top of my desk. Corporate world, non-corporate world. But let me, okay, my Bible always sat on my desk. Did I open it during the day? Did I should? No, but it was always there. They didn't like where I stood, but they knew where I stood. And as long as I did my job completely and and functionally and, uh, you know, majority of the time better than anybody else, you know what they never paid attention to? Whether I had a Bible on my desk or not. As long as the guy's doing the job. Pastor Honey.
2: So I'm a geek, and I like like the digital world, but I have had problems with that app. So I'm just sharing that with you. Like if I've been on an airplane or something, I want to read the Bible. If there's no server, there's no Internet, my notes, everything, it's not there. So I have traveled with this. I love being able to write, feel the pages. There's just something about it. But it's a personal thing, so there's nothing wrong with that just so you know. But yep. that's a challenge I've had is if there's no internet, I can't pull up my notes.
0: So that's the thing. Now, on my on my computer, I have an entire, complete downloaded biblical system. That's completely different because that's on your hard drive. okay, Or on a thumb drive, if you have that kind of thing. So there are ways, and I, I was going to touch on that. Thank you for bringing it up, honey. Uh, these are great, but if the internet goes away or power goes down or stuff, and this is all you have, it's tough. So you want to you want to uh, do as much as you can in the actual Bible. actually have it with you. Jonathan.
1: Yeah. Then,
0: yep. Uh, I, I believe in Daniel's time, right? In Daniel's time, all the resources were gone. They were going and, and, to be. And, and he was the only one there, if, yeah. if I, if I believe that, that they were saying, hey, this guy is believing in something that we don't, you know, comprehend. Well, they're trying to you know? right now. They're trying to, thank you, Jonathan, that was good, okay? They're trying to right now, folks, see who's going to run the Internet, okay? They have this whole system you've heard about, about net net neutrality, and, you know, they're trying to find out who's actually going to be in charge of this thing. Uh, And, folks, once they take dominion over it, and they will, guess what you're not going to have? Get used to this book, physical book in your hand, okay? It's critical, folks. It really is. One of the... Eli. Oh, the book of Eli. Yeah. Not a book I recommend to... Say, yeah. Not a Bible... Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, folks, I, you know, some countries of the world, they have a page of a Bible. In my house, I've got several Bibles, maybe in some of your houses. But the reality, folks, there's nothing like... God's Word. And it's the only hope you have. And if you've been watching the news and stuff, you've been watching what's what's transpiring in the Middle East right now, folks, things are coming, things are coming down. And, uh Praise the Lord. yeah, yeah, Jesus, Jesus is coming, Woo! but he's not coming down this time. This time he's just going to appear in the clouds and the only people going to see him is you and I, those looking for him. Okay? You say, well, Pastor, I mean, everybody's not going to see Jesus. Not at the rapture. At the rapture, only those looking for him. The second time, at the end of the rapture when he comes, everybody's going to see him. As the lightning comes from the east and shines into the west, every person on earth will see the Lord's coming. But the first time, he's only coming for those looking for him. That's why, you know, what does it mean looking for him? It means I'm living for him. Okay? Which is what we're going to get into tonight. Uh, if you saw your Facebook page, I, I just got it up this afternoon. I was, My day got away from me, and I got home this afternoon. My wife asked me, did you post tonight on Facebook? I said, nope, but I did about 5 o'clock. Uh, and so take your phones. Take your phones. Get I only got one person logged in, and I can check on you. Anyway, uh, do that. Because tonight I'm going to ask the question, what is truth? What is truth? Is truth subjective? Is truth relative? Or is truth absolute? The world wants to say it's subjective or relative. But God says it's absolute. You cannot fudge. There is no gray in truth. Okay? Listen to the passage, and this is what I take you back to. When you write in your Bibles, there's two things that I want you to underline. Okay? It says in Verse 10, put on the full armor of God. Full armor. We had the picture on the screen last week, and I, I don't need to put it up right now, but if we do, do we still have it available, Bob? It's still there? Okay, we don't need it right now, but okay. Put on the full armor of God. Why does God say the full armor? What, is, what do you think that means? Okay, the first first thing we understand, the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvations, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the, the gospel shoes, okay? Loins girt about with truth, okay? The belt of truth we talked about, okay? Uh, uh, it talks about the, the uh, sword of the Spirit and the shield of faith. And then we talked about one piece of the armament That shows up in every single soldier's outfit, but yet it's not specifically outlined in Ephesians 6. And that is what I call the lance of prayer. Everything about the armor of God is right up personal. Okay? Um, give Give me a guy. Come here, Steve. That way I can put my hands around you and not feel like I'm doing things. Okay? 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 The belt right here. Now the interesting thing, the belt is called truth. Now, I want you all to look at this. You know what the Bible says the very first thing you do? Put on no? So when you put putting the arm he said put the full armor on. Yes, thank you. We just said that. But what's the first piece of the armor listed? The belt of truth. The belt of truth. Now I don't know about y'all when I put my clothes on the belt's not the first thing that goes on. My li- my wife will laugh at you. It's usually my shoes, but we won't go there. Put the belt, listen to me, listen to me, put the belt of truth on. Why do you think God tells us first and foremost when you put on the full armor of God? And there's a reason I'm saying this, folks, is because we think we can fudge in this world. We think, because the world view is, truth, is subjective. Truth, is relative. God says, without you understanding that truth is absolute, which is the reason it's the very first piece of the armor mis- mentioned. Nothing else matters. If truth is subjective or relative. Or it can it can be situational like the big thing that hit in the 60s, it swept the entire university system. How many remember how many read the book? Situational ethics. It was huge, it was must-read. Psychology book. Situational ethics. Everything's based on situation. Right can be wrong, and wrong can be right, depending on the situation. First thing God says is put on the belt. Of truth. Okay. So let's go back to that statement. Put on the full armor of God. Can you put the armor of God on without truth? Now, don't answer just because you think that's the answer I want. It is. But do you think that you can get by with putting the armor on without truth? Okay. I'm sorry? That's like living your life without reading the Bible. Without reading the Bible. Good. What's another? Give me another thing. What would it be like putting the, without putting the belt on? I'm sorry? You what? Your pants fall down, don't they? What happens when your pants fall down and you're trying to run? You stumble. You get all tripped up. Okay? Now, I know that's that's kind of a simplistic way to look at it, but folks, when the Bible says put on the full armor, the belt of truth, once again, in the picture that we showed you, is very hard, but if you see an actual Roman armor, every piece, every element of the armor is held together and held in place. It has a place to hook the shield on It has a place to put the the sword on. It has a place to hold the lance on. It has a place to hook the breastplate into. It has a place for when you take your helmet off that you can put it on. Everything of the armor of God is connected to truth. And if you're a child of God, living in a worldview that says, Truth is relative. Truth is subjective. Truth is situational. And you buy into that, your pants fall down, and you lose it all. Thank you. Look what it says here. Put on the full armor of God. Why does it say to do that? What's the very next line? So that you can stand. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand. Do you know that the word of God and the armor of God gives no place for retreat? Gives no place to give up. It only gives a place to stand up. Okay, so that's what it says. Look at that. In verse 10, put on the full armor of God that you can stand. Against the enemy's schemes. Okay? So let me let me continue on here. Okay, that's not what I want. So look what it says there. Put on, I'm sorry, that's the 11th verse. Put on the full armor of God that you'll be able to stand against all the strategies. So look what, look what it says here. Put on the full or all the armor of God so that you can stand against all the strategies. Does the enemy, is he going to come against us only in one thing? Okay. So. Then let's drop down here, 13th verse. What's it say? Put on the full armor of God. But then it says something different. The first time it says that we can stand against the temptations of the enemy or the schemes of the devil. The second time he says put on the full armor of God that we When the evil day comes, are are you are you tracking with me here? Okay. First thing he says is you got to get dressed. You got to get dressed. When do you get dressed? When do you get dressed? Okay, I'm talking about the armor of God. When do you get dressed? I'm sorry? Okay? When you're going out to battle, when do you get dressed? Okay, somebody just said it. What? The minute you get saved. You know why? The minute you get saved, you're in battle every day. Okay? I've had people say, well, the first thing I do every morning is take and put the battle on, put the armor on. Me. So you sleep naked? Why the heck would you go to sleep without the armor on? Okay, we're going (laughs) to... Because it might be uncomfortable. Okay, Okay, so look what it says here. It says, put on the full armor of God that you can stand. And then it says again, before it ever lifts the armor... Put on the full armor of God that when the evil day comes, you can stand. Do you think God is trying to make a point? What do you think the point is? You better have your armor on, okay? Be prepared. What else? Do your part. In today's society, boy, you and Sam are knocking it out of the park today. Listen, listen to it. Do your part. Do you know how many think that just because you ask Jesus to come into your heart that you don't have anything to do anymore?
1: Huh.
0: A lot of people think that. A lot of churches teach that. But it's very full compared to most churches. Amen. Okay? Oh, that would be Incredible. You know, if you all talked about it in Sunday morning service, tell them how awesome Wednesday night is, I get more folks. But, but think about it. We have to do our part. God is always there. God never slumbers, never sleeps. He is always there to help us. But there is a, there is a, a, uh, a uh, I can't think of what the term is right now. I'll just call it the law of responsibility. I gave my life to this woman many years ago. And when I did, I became responsible to her, not for her. Big difference. I can't make her decisions. I can't do. But I became responsible to do my part in her life. I'm responsible to cover her, to protect her. To supply for her, to minister to her, to lift her, to encourage. I'm responsible to all of this. When I gave my life to Christ, I became responsible to him. To him. That when people see me, they see him. Am I making sense? I'm sorry? Yeah, I already explained that. I can't. Mm-hmm. That's good.
2: Them to know better. Okay, thank you. We're responsible to our kids to raise them up the way that they should know. We're responsible to them, but if they grow up and they make wrong choices, we are not responsible for them. Does that make sense? We're not responsible for their choices. We're responsible to bring them up to know better, and that's. Where it ends we're
0: supposed to bring them up to show them the choices to show them the right decisions to show them the right direction we're responsible to them the folks when they come of age we're not responsible for them one of the greatest one of the greatest uh blessings the lord ever gave in my life was many years ago when i first started pastoring he spoke to me very clearly and he told me those very words he said you're responsible to them you're not responsible for them, okay? And then he broke it down this way. He said there's three things that must happen for a person to get to heaven. First, they've got to hear the truth. The Bible says how will they hear except somebody tells them, okay? So I'm responsible to preach the truth. As your pastor, I stand up behind this holy desk every week, behind that one, this one, what? okay? And I'm responsible to you. To proclaim that message. Nothing more, nothing less, nothing else. And can I tell you something? When I do that, my responsibility ends. Okay, now I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'll, I'm gonna bless some folks. Do you know if you leave the church, I'm not responsible for you at all. I'm not even responsible to go after you. Well, oh, pastor. What if the, what about the Bible says when the when the, the, the sheep leaves, the shepherd leaves the ninety and nine to find the one? Look that up in the book of Matthew. Okay? Matthew chapter 18, verse 12. Look at what the Scripture says. Once again, I'm the shepherd under Christ. I'm the the under-shepherd. He's the good shepherd. I'm just the under-shepherd. And the passage, he tells me my responsibility is to feed the sheep. Feed the sheep. Remember Jesus when he came back to Peter and Peter had blown it? And Jesus came back, and, and uh, Jesus asked Peter, Do you love me? And Peter said, Yes, Lord, I love you. And then what did he say? Feed my sheep. Second time, feed my sheep. Third time, feed my sheep. Okay? The Bible says in Matthew chapter 18, verse 12, What do you think? You, did you find it there, Tim? Okay. I, I have it here in front of me, so let me just go ahead and read it. Okay. But thank you, for everybody, for finding it. Matthew 12, 18, 12. If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wander away, will he leave, not leave the 99 on the hills and go and look for the one that wandered off? Is that what it says? Okay. What's the next five words? And What? What's the second word? Do you think, because this is a representation of the Lord, it's the same usage as when God walked through the Garden of Eden and said, Adam, where are you? Do you think Adam or God didn't know where Adam was? Okay. Do you think God doesn't know where this sheep is? Why does the word if stand there? Does that sheep want to do right? Folks, a lot of times in the church, we just flat want to do what we want to do. And if we don't like it, we go find something else. So the shepherd goes and looks, but what if he doesn't want to be found? You know what it means? What if he doesn't want to repent? Are you with me? Okay. So we go right back to that same term. We say, Pastor, why are you bringing that in? Because we go back to the thing of relativity, subjectivity, situationally, or is it absolute? God said your job is to preach the truth. And then he said your job ends. And he said, "My job's to set them free. My job's to set them free." Well, you see, there you go, Pastor. What's what's the deal? And he said, "There's a third job. You know what it is? It's your job to let him." But some of us don't want to be free because we like our sin. We like to do what we want to do. And I'll say it just plainly: that's the reason many people don't get set free. It's because they like their sin. Thank you, thank you. Appreciate it, thank you. They like where they're at. And that's sometimes why we never get further along. So let's look at this passage. Put on the full armor of God. Everything you do in your life has to be based on truth. Everything you have to do. Why? Because you've got to be able to stand against all the schemes of the enemy. The devil doesn't have one trick he, does, he has any trick necessary. And can I tell you, the trick he uses against, against Jack here is going to be different than the one he uses against Jewel. It's going to be different than the one he uses against Will or the one he uses against Tim or the one he uses against Chris or the one he uses against Danny. It's going to be different, or it may be the exact same trip, trick. Okay? But he said put on the full armor, and how do you start it? With truth. Okay? That when the evil day comes, and then it says that you'll be able to stand. It's all about standing. Okay? So, questions before I get into, the, into what I'm going to do tonight? I just want to lay that very first thing. What is truth? What is truth? Josh?
1: not really a question just a comment i've noticed in the armor of god that uh the back isn't covered you know and i always believe we cover each other with prayer and then the lord has our back and then uh clarify if you will i've been told the only weapon we have is the word everything else is defense but the only offense we're supposed to use in the armor of god is the sword or the word that's the only offense we have everything else is defense
0: Okay, there's two offensive weapons. That is very much correct when you got that outline in Ephesians 6. Okay, because the, the lance, though it's a, a very uh, prevalent part of the soldier's armament. Okay, hold on. Uh, the two, we have two uh, offensive weapons, and that is the sword of the spirit. What is the sword of the Spirit? Anybody know? The Word of God. It's not the Word of our mouth. It's not the Word of our likes and dislikes and feelings and emotions. It is the Word of God. Okay, hold on just a second. okay i want uh i want uh uh uh, uh beverly give me isaiah fifty two twelve and Eula isaiah fifty eight eight Uh, so we have the two offensive weapons. you got the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and the lance. What, prayer. You say that's the last piece. He, after the sword of the Spirit, he said, which is the Word of God. Then he says he spends the last three verses, four verses, saying pray. Pray always. Pray, pray, pray. That's why I look at that, and I call it the lance of prayer. Okay? You, you take it. What can prayer do that a sort that anything else can't do? What can a sort that it can go before? It can go a distance. It can go weeks in advance. It can go months in advance. You know, before my kids got married, I prayed for all of them to marry Christian spouses, and every one of them married Christian spouses when they were born, their whole lot, their lives. I prayed for their spouses be- years into the future. I sent that lance a long ways. Okay, those are the two offensive weapons: the sword of the spirit, lance of prayer. Okay, Josh is right. We have nothing guarding us from behind. So let's look at that. Look, look at a. Uh, uh, what did I give you? Isaiah, Isaiah fifty-two twelve. And fifty-eight. What uh, fifty-eight eight? Okay. So 52, 12, Isaiah 52, 12. Go ahead and read it for me.
2: For you will not leave in a hurry, and you will not have to take flight, because the Lord is going before you, and the God of Israel is your rear guard.
0: God's going to go before you. You don't have to run. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to be, you know, uh, taken off like you're uncertain. God said, I'm going to go before you, and I'm going to be guarding you. Okay? Go and ahead. I, next. Well, I think
2: it also means that we're never to turn and run.
0: Never to turn and run. Well, there is no armament in the back. Right. Okay? And and we talked about that a bit last week. Is there's nothing in the back because we have nothing to run from. And there's nothing to flee. Okay. God has our back. Go ahead, Eula. 58.8. Then your light
2: will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you. And the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard.
0: Okay, which is going to segue right into what I wanted to say. Okay, who has, a, who has Romans 13? Isaiah 52, 12. Okay. God is our rear guard. There's not anything in the back. Okay, we do not flee. We stand. When the evil day comes, we stand. When the wiles of the enemy, the temptations, the testings come, we stand. Okay? So let's look at let's look at why. Go ahead. Romans 13 12, who has it? Go ahead.
2: It's the NIV. The night is nearly over, the day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light.
0: Let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on what's it called? The armor of light. It is another name for the armor of God. Okay? What did Eula just read? That the the brightness of God's glory is going to radiate around us. When you are God's child, when you are God's child, everything about the armor you wear radiates a defensiveness. The enemy doesn't even want to come around you for the offensive part. Because it radiates a defensiveness. When you walk in the light as He is in the light, all of His glory shines round about you. And He is our rear guard. He is walking in front of us, behind us, above us, below us, around us. This is why in the book of Job, uh, Satan up before God, God says, what are you doing here? Well, you know, there's nothing to do on the earth. And God says, well, have you considered my servant Job? And one of the times that the enemy came back to him, to God, he said, I can't do anything. You have a hedge of protection around him. When you are in the armor of God, you live your life based on truth. There's a hedge of protection about you. The night is almost gone. The day is near. Let us, therefore, lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. And put on the armor of light. What is he talking about? Chris,
1: I did a real quick search on this. It was Second uh, Corinthians four six, for God who said, "Let light shine out of darkness," made His light shine into our hearts and give us the light of knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ.
0: Amen. Okay, what's it mean to get, lead the deeds of darkness and walk in the light?
2: So the New Living Translation, that very same verse, puts it this way. The night is almost gone, the day of salvation will soon be here. So remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes and put on the shining armor of right living.
0: Yeah. Okay. Very good. Miss Eula. The other stand up there, Will.
2: I think if we I think if you read on in that chapter and you read the next verse, it tells you says let us behave decently as in the daytime because we all act good during the day when we can be seen not in carousing and drunkenness not in sexual immorality and debauchery not in dissension and jealousy rather clothe yourselves with the lord jesus christ and do not think about how to gratify the
0: desires of the flesh put off the deeds Of this world. When the Bible refers to darkness, it's always referring to the world. And it's always referring to the God of this world. And when we walk in darkness, who are we walking in? The God of this world. Okay? The Bible says light and darkness cannot abide together. This is why I tell people Christianity, folks, is a lifestyle, not a pastime. You cannot call yourself a Christian and live like a heathen. You say, well, Pastor, that's common sense. Did you know common sense is the least common thing on earth? It, it Yeah, it makes perfectly good sense. But once again, folks, when it's about us, well, you don't understand, Pastor. This is why the Bible tells us that truth, what is truth? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. What is truth? Kevin, God's word. No, reality isn't truth, folks. There's there's false reality all around us. Have you ever watched a a, a Harlequin romance? They call that reality. You ever watched the what do they call these new television shows that are all over the place? Uh, reality TV, yes. How many think that's really reality? Okay. Folks, there's, there's all kinds of relativism. Okay. But we're talking about walking in the light. Okay. So let's go to Jeremiah. Who has Jeremiah 46, 3 and 4? Who did I give that to? Jeremiah 46. Did I give that to somebody? What did I give you? Malachi. Who who did I give 1 Corinthians 14, 8 to? Okay. Well, I'll read Jeremiah then. Jeremiah 46, it's in your notes, or it's not in your notes, it's in my notes, but in your Bible. Prepare your shields. Now, once you look at this, it says, I'm in in Jeremiah 46, 3 and 4. Jeremiah 46, 3 and 4. It says, prepare your shields. And it says something interesting. Once again. Talking about the armor of God, he says there's two kinds of shields to prepare. Okay, once again you look at the the armament of the Roman soldier, which is Paul is likening this to when he's writing to the Church of Ephesus. You see a true Roman soldier, folks. You know our our military carries these ninety and hundred and fifty pack, pound packs. Well, these guys were carrying a lot of weight. When they went to battle, they carried two shields, not just one. They carried a small one for the hand-to-hand. That was called a buckler. It was usually made out of of, uh, uh, leather. It was lighter. It was basically for warding off and for fighting with. Okay? So he says, take your shields, large and small. So in your life, you're not going to be walking around with these great big shields all the time. I want to talk about putting the whole armor of God. Okay? But you will always have this little shield. Why? Because the fiery darts of the enemy are always coming. They're always coming against you. And you're always warding them off. So God's not asking you to be encumbered. He's not saying, you know, that yeah, this is going to be an awful, horrible life that you're going to live. No. You're walking through this life. God said, Hey, I'm in front of you, I'm behind you. Don't, don't sweat it. But you've got to take your shield. Look what it says here. In Jeremiah 46, 3 and 4, prepare your shields, both large and small, for march and march out for battle. He says then, harness your horses. Mount your steeds. Take your positions, look what it says here, with helmets on. Polish your spears and put on your armor. He gives you the entire outline of what you're supposed to do on a daily basis when you're going into battle. Okay, realize, the Bible says that we'll mount up with wings as eagles. The Bible says that we are to mount our steeds. Harness them. Get them prepared for battle and take your position. The second thing that God gives great inference to is the helmet of salvation. Okay? And we're going to spend a lot of time in the next few weeks. And we're going to spend time on the helmet. We're going to spend time on the shield. We're going to spend time on the the helmet and the belt. Why is... we, We talked about the belt. Why is the helmet so important? Will? Your mind. Your Your, your mind. Thoughts. Okay? The Bible says that we have to cover our mind. How do you cover your mind? Cover your thoughts. First Corinthians 10, cast down imagination and every thought that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. What does that mean? We'll test all things, yes, but what's it mean to cast down imagination and every thought? Will?
2: So as soon as you have a
0: thought, say a girl walks by you and you want to look again. Um, you take authority over it or it will make its way into you. Foothold. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Remember the toehold, the foothold, and the stronghold? Okay. So let's talk about this for just a minute. Okay? The helmet of salvation. What does it mean when you put the helmet? You're protecting your mind. But how do you do that? Where's the microphone at? Sorry.
1: Okay, that's okay. You prevent yourself from, you, you keep yourself from, put, you don't put yourself in a situation where you know you're going to be tempted, either through lust, through envy, through uh,
0: something, jealousy, something else that's going to uh, get in your mind. Okay. So, what we, remember we made a statement many times, back here to Jack, many times, the wrong place is always
1: wrong time,
0: always the wrong time, okay? And, and you, know, you know, you have to get to that wrong place. Well, they they took me there. Well, you didn't have to get off. You didn't have to get out. Well, you know, uh, 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 folks, the reality is it's on us. Wrong place is always the wrong time. Okay? We're talking about the helmet of salvation. Why? When you put on the belt of truth, the next piece is the breastplate of righteousness, the next piece is the helmet of salvation. Without truth, you can't be right with God. Are you with me? Look at look in your structure there, okay? He says, put on the belt of truth, the best, best plate of, uh, breastplate of righteousness. Well, then your, your feet shod with the preparation because without, the breast, without truth and the breastplate, you, there's no way to stand, okay? But then the very next thing is your helmet, okay? So you get truth and God says the helmet is key. Okay? We've talked about some different things. We talked about the wrong place being the wrong time, getting ourselves in the wrong. But what does it
1: mean when we put on the helmet of truth, Jack? It's actually the helmet of salvation. Or helmet of salvation, yes. It's it's we have to have complete faith that Jesus Christ has paid the price already, and knowing that, that's where we where we have the protection. Complete faith in Jesus Christ. But there's more. Why do you put
0: on the helmet of salvation? Beverly. Folks, now listen to me. None of this, these are not trick questions. These are things for us to understand. This subject that we're getting into in the next few weeks, this is critical to you and I living a victorious Christian life. And sadly, the church of Jesus Christ does not prepare its people for the battle. We don't prepare them. What, what, what is this what is this whole armor of God oh we get we buy a book we buy that we buy but the, we don't understand that is the fact of being dressed for battle every piece is pertinent some pieces are cri- more critical than others we're talking about the helmet of salvation go ahead Beverly well,
2: I think we fell our head with the scripture with the word of God and the helmet protects that so that nothing that is not of him can get in not okay. just that we're keeping things out. But that we're also keeping things in, Amen. We're keeping the Word of God in our mind.
0: There is a there is a a, uh, uh, a dichotomy when it comes to the helmet. Okay, one is you're keeping things in. Okay, how do we renew our minds? By going to church, right? No, that's not what the Bible says. You can go to church and be just as much a devil as you were before you came to church. Okay. Why do you well, I mean uh, uh, how day day. the train leaves the station okay uh, the helmets of it keeping things in so we renew our mind with the word of God okay in in Titus it says uh, Titus and Ephesians uh, where else Romans I think where it says to wash our minds. With the Word of God, okay, uh, uh, Jim.
1: I just want to infer there it's uh, praying in the Holy Spirit, having the mind and mind of the Spirit. That's where your helmet should be able to cover.
0: Praying that. in the Holy Spirit, but I want to talk about something that we're, that we're dancing all around, and uh, Beverly alluded to it and got closest to it. We keep. Our salvation, as Jack brought out, okay, covered, okay? What are we covering? Truth. Why are we covering truth? Because we're always bombarded every single day of our life to accept a lie. Every day. I was reading an article by by Billy Billy Graham, uh, uh, Franklin Graham, and he told the same thing I've taught you all for, for months and years. The homosexual objective, objective is not to get you to acknowledge their life. It is to get you as a Christian to accept their life as normal. And they will not stop. They are ramping up the efforts, which is why one of the reasons why we have a full membership in our church now. Okay? Is that agenda... Will try because what it's going to do is based on hate, it's based on on intolerance, it's based on the fact on 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 relativism and, and situational ethics, and it's based on uh, 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 circumstantial things and subjectivism. Okay, it's not based on truth, but it's making you and I to accept that it's a normal lifestyle, and Billy uh, Franklin Graham did a whole article on that. Okay, because that's their objective. And they're coming after the church. Folks, we have to know. Here and here. Because God said here. That's not true. That's not true. Okay? So, what happens? Why do we have to put on the helmet of salvation? We've danced all around it, but we get it. Okay? Part of the... The helmet of salvation has an eye guard. If the enemy can pluck out your eyes, poke out your eyes, shoot at your eyes, it has an eye deflector, part of the armament, the helmet of the Roman soldier. You can can go online and look at it. What is the picture telling us? The Bible says if your eye is evil, your whole body is evil. He's talking about what are you watching? What are you watching? Will made the statement, you know, if a pretty girl walks by, or let me talk to you girls, you know, if a handsome man walks by. Okay? What do you do with it? What what are you what are you looking at? When you get in that computer alone in the darkness? What are you looking at? All of that, okay? So the helmet, what are you listening to? It covers your ear. some Some of the most penetrable and devastating places of your body, your ears, your eyes, your temples. It covers you. It keeps you. It protects you. You have truth. You've got to keep it inside. And you've got to make sure it doesn't get penetrated. That's why we have the shield and the buckler. Because the enemy's going to come in in all kinds of fashions. If he came to you as a hideous, demonic looking uh, creature, you would know I can stand against that. But what if he comes to you at five foot two eyes of blue? What if he comes to you at six foot four? Looking like a solid wood door.
2: <laughs>
0: well, it rhymes. <laughs> Five foot two eyes. Bob, help me, okay? Oh, don't shake your head, please. Don't, oh, yeah. But okay, so look at this, okay? Let's go back to what we talked about. First Corinthians fourteen eight. Who has it? First Corinthians fourteen eight. Who has it? We're gonna read some scripture. 1 Corinthians fourteen eight. Then we got Luke twenty one thirty six. Then we got Malachi three two. So I want you to get your scriptures, folks. First Corinthians ten twelve through thirteen, and J- James four seven. And we'll stop there tonight. Okay. First Corinthians fourteen eight. Okay. Who who has that? Okay, Tim. Okay. Whoever has uh, uh, Luke, get there. Malachi, get there. 1 Corinthians, get there. Are you there? 1 Corinthians. I mean, yeah, 14.8. Go ahead.
1: Uh, NIV. Uh, when the Philistines heard that David has been anointed king over all of Israel, they went up in full force to search for him. But David heard about it and went out to meet them. That's 1
0: Corinthians 14.8. I'm reading First Chronicles. I'm sorry? Yeah, 1 Corinthians 14. Eight. Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will be ready for battle? If the trumpet does not sound a clear call. Once again, we're talking about the helmet. And I just want to stop with this, with this passage and we're going to other stuff. Okay? If the trumpet, if you have truth on. Say, the Bible says for a helmet... Put on truth. For a helmet, put on truth. Okay? If you know the truth, then when the trumpet sounds, you know exactly what it's about. If you don't know what it's about, why would you not know truth? Why would you not know truth? Because you don't read the Bible. Well, you can read it and not live it, yes. Okay? You don't know truth because you don't get into the Word of God. You don't dedicate yourself to God's Word. Okay, uh, Luke twenty one thirty six. Now what we're doing? Remember, I talked. I, I said on those two things. Put on the full armor of God. We emphasized the the belt and the helmet. Okay, but the second thing that was emphasized twice in this passage before he ever got into describing the army armament is he said, put on the full armor. And then stand. Put on the full armor and stand. Why do you think he emphasizes stand? Very simply outlined, because the devil is coming. The devil is coming. When Bob went into work today, guess who's waiting for him? When Chris went into work, guess who's waiting for him? Will. Carol, folks, the devil's always waiting, and he's always waiting to find out if you know truth or not. If you know truth, he falls. If you don't, you fall. That's why it says, put on the full armor and stand, okay? Luke twenty-one twenty-six or 36.
2: Be always on the watch and pray that you may be able to escape all that is about to happen. And that you may be able to stand before the Son of Man.
0: Always on the watch. Always on the watch. Always. Malachi three two.
1: Hold on, I have a question.
2: Uh huh. Son of Man is he talking about Satan? Jesus?
0: Son of David, Son of Man, Son of God are all reference to Jesus. Malachi three two.
2: But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's
0: soap. Who can stand? If your life is not based in truth, when God shows up, who can stand? Who? Okay. First Corinthians ten twelve through 13. We're talking about the importance of just two pieces today. Okay. And we'll get into. We'll start at the very beginning next week, but I just want to lay this foundation of the of the belt of truth and the helmet of salvation. You've got to have both an operation or the feet do you no good because you won't stand. Be like that guy on the shaky ground or on the sand built his house. When the day comes, and it's coming every day, it'll shake you off your foundation. Okay? First Corinthians 10, 12 through 13.
2: So if you think you are standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it.
0: So you can stand. So you can stand. What's the picture of this say? Once again, if we take Ephesians 6... And we tie it together with 1 Corinthians 10. Okay, in this entire passage, this is where he, sa- he makes a statement. You know, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination. Okay, we start up in the, about the fifth verse is where all that starts transpiring. Okay, and then he goes on here, You that think you stand, take heed lest you fall. There's a lot of people that think just going to church is going to be enough. There's a lot of people who think just reading their Bible is going to be enough. But, folks, the reason you go to church is to give you the strength to stand as you get re-energized in reading your Bible that you can go forth and face the enemy that is waiting right outside the door. When you've done all you can do to stand, it says stand. Stand. Okay? So look at this. Look at the picture here. He said, consider yourself. Another place Paul writes, he said, examine yourself to see if you're even in the faith. He said, you who thinks he stands, be careful that you don't fall. And then he starts talking about the testings, the trials. And he said, there's no temptation you will ever face that somebody else hasn't already faced, that somebody else might be facing right then. He says, it's common. You know why? Because the enemy wants you to think nobody knows what you're going. Does that make sense? Okay. So he said, but God is faithful. If you're dealing with something and you're standing on God and in God and you've got truth in your life and you've got yourself helmeted on and standing in the full arm, There's nothing that you will ever go through that God said, I won't be there to help you. I will hold you up. And then look what he says. I will also make a way for you to get out of it. Okay? Any questions? We'll conclude with this verse. James 4. Who has it? Who has James 4? 4 7? James 4, 7, uh, King James Version. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Okay. Submit yourself, therefore, to God. And resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Benny. Um, In the book of Jude, when, you know... See, Michael is pretty armored. I mean, he's pretty prepared for Satan. But he he doesn't rail uh, an accusation against him. He just says, Satan, get behind me, and goes on about his business. He actually says, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you, and goes on about his business. So that's the same like resisting the Lord? I mean, resisting resisting the the devil. devil. Okay. Look at the passage, James 4, 7. We love the fact that we can resist the devil, and he'll flee. But we don't read the whole passage. What's the first part of the passage say? Submit yourself to God. Can you be in submission to God without truth? Can you be in submission to God without dedication, commitment? No. Okay? So if you want the devil to flee, you've got to be in submission to God. You can't be playing church. You can't be going through the motions. That's why he says that uh, in the sixth verse, he gives grace to the humble, but he resists the proud. That's why it says there in 1 Corinthians 10, we just read, take heed he who thinks he stand, lest he fall. Submit yourselves to God. Be in submission to God. And the first thing that God tells you if you want to overcome in this world is you've got to put on the whole armor of God. You've got to have your, the belt of truth. You've got to be founded in truth. Truth holds everything. Then you have to have the breastplate of righteousness, okay? The only thing that gives you the ability to get right with God is truth, okay? And when you are right with God, then he tells us to renew our minds in God's Word. Romans 12, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind that we might present ourselves uh, 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 holy, acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. He died for us. at least we could do is live for him. Okay? So you put on the breastplate of righteousness. We put on the helmet of salvation. Our feet shod. The only way we can stand in the things of God. And then you notice, God doesn't even take you into battle until you have those four pieces on. Then he says, take up the shield. If you're not founded in truth, if you are not in right relationship with God, if you don't have the helmet of salvation protecting you, in truth, repelling the lies and the thoughts that the, that the enemy is plugging in there, and your feet with these, this, these shoes on that if you see a picture of them, uh, the real shoe, it's got spikes out the bottom that it's, you're immovable. That's why the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, 15, 58, to be standing, immovable, always abounding in the work of God. Knowing your labor in the Lord's not in vain. So we stand firm. And then when we've got all of that in place, God says, now it's time to go to war. Well, what if I don't go to war? Don't become a Christian. Well, Pastor, I can't, I can't, you know, if if I want to be a Christian and I don't want to fight, it doesn't work that way. After you take up the shield, then you take up the sword. And the only way you win the battle is with truth. God's word. Questions? Okay, next week I'll have notes. Tell everybody and their friends. You want, we want it'd be wonderful to pack this place on Wednesday night. Tell everybody in church. Say, you know, the preacher does okay on Sundays? You ought to hear him on Wednesdays. Hopefully you feel that way. Come. Bring them. Tell them to come and help us to get dressed for battle. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name.